Hello, welcome to Don't Call Me Exotic. I'm O-N-E-O. I'm a DJ, radio presenter, and promoter. This is the podcast where I invite people in the creative field to come talk to me about diversity, culture, personal experiences of racism, both in life and in their careers. I'd like to welcome my next guests, two members of the collective, label and community dedicated to platforming the sounds and stories of the margins of East and Southeast Asia and its diaspora, and also who throw the best parties, David slash Lumi and Jex Wang from Eastern Margins. Hello. Yo, how's it going? <laughs> good, how are you guys? Good, good. It's nice to be back in London, so yeah. yeah, that's good. No, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This is really great. Not only am I a massive Eastern Margins fan, <laughs> This is such a full circle moment with mm. you and I, Jax. Because like, right, yeah. this is the first time we've actually met in person. Yes, yes. I think really? I saw you once yeah. in London. Whoa. I was like, oh my god, that's Oadio. I'm way too intimidated to say hello. What so do I'm just you gonna mean? admire from far, <laughs> and that's yeah. That's rid- do you know what though? Because the last time I saw you in person was the Eastern Margins event with Key Push uh, in yeah. Dalston yeah, where yeah. the alibi yeah, was yeah. and I remember I was seeing you and I remember thinking like oh she looks really cool <laughs> well here we are here we are, here we so are. we made it so um, yeah it's like yeah I downloaded you off the internet almost you're finally like here <laughs> real so, I'm yeah. here um but yeah so I saw that I tweeted back in March when I was like first kind of thinking about doing this project mm. and you were kind of the one one of the first people that I spoke to yeah yeah we had that phone call about it as well yeah yeah, yeah. how cute I know finally <laughs> but yeah I just kind of want to start with both of you guys if you could maybe introduce yourselves tell me a bit about your backgrounds and about Eastern like in Margins music or well. in general don't um, don't go too overboard yeah, Jess. Like, how, how personal are we getting <laughs> Super personal. Okay, Tell so me it all started everything. when I was born. <laughs> um, do you want to go first? You go first. Okay. You go first. All right. Well, I'm Jax. Uh, I'm part of Eastern Margins. Um, I used to live in London. I'm currently based in Berlin. Soon to be moving back to Melbourne. Who knows how long I'll stay there for? Um, I so yeah. I, I do Eastern Margins. I'm a DJ. I'm a photographer. I'm a writer. I think that's it, like creatively. And then I'm also, I, uh, I'm i currently pursuing cybersecurity as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. With a, I also have a background in zoology, but that's almost irrelevant now. Zoos and codes, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. zoos, code, networks, and, yeah. you know, deconstructed club music. So, <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's me in a nutshell. Uh, myself, I'm David slash Lumi. So I started Eastern Margins, been doing music for a bit now, like I think close to a decade. And yeah, started Eastern Margins as a way to basically shine a bit more of a light on Eastern Southeast Asian creativity in London and beyond. And yeah, met Jex along the way, fortunately or unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, here we are. And uh, this is kind of like a circle moment for us as well, Annie, because yeah. you were one of the first acts that we had down in Eastern Margins. Are you serious? Yeah, you 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 played out the shows when they were in the single digits in terms of uh, the events. Stop, so, are you serious? Yeah. Was it the in like Emily's bar? Yeah, exactly, with uh, no. double clappers from Tokyo oh and Lost it Japan. Was the gra- it was like the yeah, Tokyo. Yeah, I remember that. Event. Yeah. Like, exactly. Re- like, wow. That's so that was like 2018. Yeah, a long time ago. Yeah, I think I was living in France back then. That was before my time with Eastern oh Margins. You're such a mystery to me. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, just tried, like, yeah, I used to live in France. Um, like, so, that's when you did zoology? This is no, mad. I moved to France for 11 months just to see what it'd be like to live in a small European city. Small? Yeah, it's not fun. <laughs> and like, I was after three months, I'm like, can I go? I, but I had a contract, so I had to stay. 
Um, I was doing zoology back in Melbourne. That was my degree at university. Yeah. Wow. Mm. Wow. Well, yeah. Full circle. Huh? So cool. But I mean, in terms of where Eastern Margins is now, that's three years. Yeah, but I think we'll turn three like in February. So. Oh my god! But that's actually not that three. long, considering. Oh yeah, we are. We are well, three. Oh yeah, COVID year yeah, doesn't yeah, co- count. Yeah, it's like it, yeah. the two years is really one year. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 But that's like not that long at all. If you think in terms of like, yeah, three years is not that what much. you've accomplished, yeah. like what you've done in that feels time. like a lot. Three years feels like a lot. <laughs> I mean, three years. I mean, I've been in Europe for like three, yeah, like four true. years, and that doesn't feel like anything. So yeah. yeah. So you're one of the co-founders. Yeah. And so how many other members are there? It's it's a family with very very loose boundaries of. Uh, <laughs> <Man>. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I'd say probably what there's. Uh, so myself and Anthony started it. Right now, there's about six of us involved who are quite like full time. Well, not mm. full time, but like are fully involved in it. And then we have like a whole family of lovely misfits that work with us in yeah, various yeah, ways. Yeah. Like it's like an extended family, you know, yeah. you got like yeah. uncle, mom and dad, all that kind of stuff. And then the cousins and then yeah. just a bit more. It's like a whole family of that slightly too fun uncle and yeah. aunt that you see. <laughs> Yeah, you do much. get the wrong bus here. I just <laughs> yeah, about yeah, 10 yeah. minutes away. I was just so. like, yeah, big uncle energy. <laughs> what was the catalyst for you to start Eastern Margins? I think at the time, I had, I'd had i been taking a little bit of a break from music. Like, my main start was back in, like, 2011 when I was doing, promoting a lot of shows, DJing a fair bit around the post-dubstep, dubstep grime kind of uh, ecosystem. I took a little bit of a break from that. And the reason I got pulled back in was basically at the time I was spending a lot more and more energy, like connecting with like my own culture and my own heritage. And I was actually really inspired by everything that was going on in East Asia, especially China at the time, in terms of uh, dovetailing my cultural background being Chinese and the experimental music stuff that was happening there. So really inspired by everything happening there. And I thought, you know, for such a richly diverse city as London, such a multicultural city, in 2018, there wasn't really a space, there wasn't really ecosystem which I felt truly represented both my musical culture and my ethnic culture. Mm -hmm. So that's a really long-winded way of saying like, (laughs) we just wanted to throw a cool party <laughs> that like resonated with us, which is yeah. basically what we did. Yeah. Now, yeah. It's interesting how you say, because I didn't know you had a break before Eastern Margins and yeah. it, like pulled you back in because I quit the music industry like before I found Eastern Margins because I was so sick of like not having a space like that I felt represented in and I felt found Eastern Margins on Instagram. I was like, what? There's a platform for East and Southeast Asians in London? Like I have to join. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's how I found you guys. But yeah, it's interesting. Like we'll both, imagine if it never happened, if you'd never just decided to come back into the music industry. <laughs> where would we be now where would we be now? Exactly. It's, it's destiny maybe almost <laughs> when i think about the london nightlife and connecting to that culture like i really really miss that not even in terms of like i had it and then it's gone but like i just miss it as in like i don't see it obviously i have eastern margins and that's one of the reasons why like i needed to have you guys on the podcast but i just feel like there has to be a bigger community. And maybe mm. you guys see that um, because your network is growing and like with that in mind. But I guess for me personally, like I don't see it. Mm. And it's been something that I've been actively this year seeking. For me, I think growing up, 
electronic music and rave music was a really, really liberating way of finding some identity. And I think it's one of like, it's a bit of a double-edged sword in the UK and especially London, just how rich the tapestry of music and underground culture is here. I feel like a lot of UK and London music culture exerts a really, really strong gravitational pull on everyone involved in it to the point actually where things like your own cultural heritage or your ethnic kind of practices can often take a bit of a sideline because mm -hmm. you're pulled towards a much, much bigger scene. You know, if you're like a DJ in the grime scene, yeah, you might be Asian, but that's not going to be a big part of your creative practice because grime is such a strong gravitational pull. Likewise, if you're like a jungle DJ or whatever in that world. So I feel like that's really cool about the British scene, but I think it's also maybe one of the reasons why we have an established more cultural orientated or like heritage orientated communities in music. That's kind of why it's so cool to see like so many other crews come up like trying to do adjacent things or similar things like other sick crew like Chinabot doing more experimental stuff mm. like Yeti out who were kind of like our predecessors in a way doing similar things. So it's uh, yeah, it's cool to see these communities come together. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I think there's, there's when it comes to like even like East and Southeast Asian representation, there's so much diversity that it's actually like really hard to try and like cover as much as possible as well. So yeah, I think these things just like take time to build and time to like come up and like new things always come and yeah. I do feel like there's something happening this year, especially with the other collectives coming up, especially. Um, I mean, this podcast is coming out after your collaboration with Daytimers, mm, taking yeah. over um, the event with Keep Hush. I feel that's a very now moment mm. as well. Um, but I wanted to ask, like, what are some of the challenges you face in kind of championing East and Southeast Asian culture and music and people in like a Western society i mean there's the racism like <laughs> oh, that, that's a very really? big yeah like <laughs> racism um i think like yeah obviously like the racism but i think like what i said earlier just like trying to represent as many like cultures within east and southeast asia i think that's like quite difficult because i feel like with eastern margins we do want to be able to be like as representative as possible but it is a lot of work and i think that's uh one of the challenging things that we have to yeah work through I guess one thing that's quite interesting, like may maybe like uh, you you've seen this a lot as well, Annie. It's kind of um, it's kind of this tension between what we're trying to do locally and what diaspora is doing locally, and then kind of like the overwhelming force of say like K-pop mm -hmm. or that like Korea boo culture, mm -hmm. and it's kind of hard to establish what we feel like is a authentic voice when there is a huge force from east asia from korea from japan this cultural force that um people are here in the west that's like their first exposure to that culture yeah. and they come at it without that much context and then they just dive yeah. into it mm. i so. think a lot of the time when people are like oh can you give me some like recommendations on k-pop yeah and i'm like <laughs> literally because i'm korean doesn't mean yeah, that. Like, yeah, yeah yeah do you know what i mean yeah. those like preconceptions of oh you're asian you must you know like a lot of people ask oh like what anime do you like yeah, yeah. i'm like <laughs> like i've seen like one <laughs> i like it but i mean that's not at my forefront of mm. 
interest. I also grew up in Toronto, so I have a very like, American-centric introduction to culture and stuff like that. Mm. Um, but I read a quote that you said, David, and it really hit home to me. You said that dialogue can be enriching in terms of learning from each other and allowing us to build our own infrastructure instead of relying on the existing powers that be to give us space or give us recognition. We want to take a more DIY mentality and build it ourselves. If we build our own infrastructure, we won't need to rely on outside approval. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, yeah, I'm like, like, wow, that sounds way smaller than <laughs> I normally think. That? Like, yeah. <laughs> I must have written, that must have been a written interview. <laughs> um, going off of that, I wanted to say, like, because my background is that I was born in South Korea, grew up in Toronto, and then I've been here for about 13 years. So, like, my relationship with the Asian culture and, like, my identity has been quite, it's been a challenging thing to kind of realize for myself because I'm, like, not white. Mm. I grew up in a predominantly white um, environment, but I don't feel like, Asian enough. So I just almost feel like I don't really know where I sit. And then like, I feel like my um, interests are quite mixed as well. So mm -hmm. I just, I find that quite difficult in feeling like an identity yeah, within no, myself. I definitely relate. Like I have an existential crisis every day <laughs> thinking like, why am I Australian? Just I'm like, why? Um, and then also just being like Chinese as well. I didn't grow up in China, but my parents, like, you know, they really put the culture on me. And then I used to reject it when I was younger to try and fit in. And then now I'm just like desperately trying to re reclaim it as well. Yeah. And then sometimes I'm like, what parts of my culture can I actually claim? Or yeah. is this like stuff that's like lived experiences of people that actually like live in China and stuff like that? So, yeah, I totally get like. And you almost don't want to be like fishing for more Asian stuff because yeah. you want to feel more of that identity you know mm -hmm. what i mean like yeah. i don't want to all of a sudden be like well i have to listen to loads of k-pop <laughs> do you know what i mean i know that's yeah, like yeah. quite like a general example but it is kind of like that where you're like what parts of my culture am i mm -hmm. almost allowed to champion but yeah. and i also feel like as well like in the west because our cultures are so appropriated sometimes like sometimes i feel like a character of myself almost yeah. it's like like especially if i go out and i'm like oh maybe i can wear one of those like like cheap house dresses or something yeah but because that's so like appropriated in fast fashion i'm just like i feel i feel but, weird but i should be able to wear that yeah but, but then don't like, you feel like because i've on occasion bought those yeah, shirts as well yeah. from like i don't know pretty little thing or something mm. um I mean, which is like problematic in itself because it's like a seven pound, like yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. whatever. But I've actually not worn it out because I'm like, I, I have a weird relationship with yeah, it. Because I'm exactly. like, it's based on like appropriating Asian culture. But at the same time, I'm like, but I am Asian. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and it's just like, why am I thinking about this over an outfit? And that's yeah. what really annoys me. And it's just that cult, like identity struggle that, yeah, I definitely relate with that. So what do we do? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 David, don't, any, don't any ideas? <laughs> yeah, I, I think like, I, yeah, I think the way I kind of look at it as well is also just to kind of like appreciate the, like the uniqueness of this like struggle because it ha this happens because, you know, our parents or like our previous generations migrated and globalization is occurring. And it's the way I look at it is like instead of like forcing, I guess, like forcing myself to fit into this like Australian identity, which like Australia is quite racist. So I can, you know, be Australian as I want, you know, watch the football, stuff like that. People yeah. are still going to be like, no, you're not actually Australian. Mm -hmm. And then with like China, because I didn't grow up there, I feel like, why don't I just accept the I'm like, 
I'm just Chinese Australian. Yeah. I like two things. I like different cultures. I like this part. I like that part. And then now with like this more global community and the fact that I have traveled a lot. I mean, I use so much British slang that someone thought I was British in Berlin. I'm like, yeah, okay. I can be, I can be British. <laughs> like, you know, I'll stop saying my T's in the middle of words. British. Yeah, you know, it's like, oh, bottle of water. That's me now. Like, I think um, as like, you know, with, I guess, like the internet and just being influenced by so many differences and also being re- able to relate with people around the world. It's like this, like, why don't we just take on, like, this new identity where we don't act? It's just, like, a more broad thing. I feel like I'm kind of just rambling now, but, like, you know what I I mean? I get you. It's like... It's like uh, you start with almost a form of like cultural imposter syndrome. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like you feel insecure about stepping in and expressing your culture in a way because you didn't have that necessarily Mm. growing up and you didn't have that experience. But Mm. I think, you know, like the, the, the mistakes that we make is kind of part of how we decide like what authentically does speak to us as individuals and it might be like it like a cheap out dress for example like Mm. jokes you might like wear that a couple times like you you know what this doesn't actually resonate with me (laughs) on any level but like you you might wear and you might actually be like actually i'm gonna dive into like the history and i'm gonna go more into like hand food dress or whatever yeah yeah definitely yeah yeah. i mean it's like what you said about like david's quote earlier like we should better carve our own way with these identities and not have to just focus on like what the identities of the past are because yeah things are changing things are progressing and i feel like we just just make a new identity that's yeah yeah. i think that's the way to go for well that's the way i do it at least i think also there isn't like one way of being asian i suppose like just because i suppose uh the stereotypes that we've been placed with are so they're so uh Uh, yeah i think it's the stereotypes homogenize us which then cause us to like struggle with who we are whereas i think now as the eastern margins community grows I love how different everyone is. I think it's great. Like, I think maybe from the outside, people look at us and think we're all the same. But no, I, like, I meet people and I'm just like, wow, you're third generation British. Like, that, that's, that's really interesting to me as like first generation Australian because I just can't, like, I don't have that yeah. experience of having multiple generations um, within like one country and stuff like that. So I get really excited meeting people and like being able to openly talk about this. I think like we should just have... I think, yeah, to avoid the struggle, it's good that we create these spaces like this podcast where we can actually talk about who we are and what our, like, you know, insecurities about our culture is. And even, like, that phone call we had, that was really comforting where I'm just like, yeah, we can just totally, like, vent (laughs) about all the issues and rant about these things. And eventually we have this, like, support network where we can figure out who we are. Yeah. And I think that's, like, really nice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that's why what happened in Atlanta in March was just, like, so horrendous. But Mm. it actually was just, like, the trigger for me just do something about it mm. because i just couldn't fucking exactly and then now like because you've done this like i saw you do this like oh my god annie's done it like amazing i want to be part of this podcast but here you are you've built this community and then i'm sure as more guests come on like they talk about who they are and it'll just help i guess the next generation in figuring out who they are as well because like it's hard to try and do it when there's no previous discourse on this to like follow with there's, yeah. no, there's no path that we're like following we're kind of like like you quoted david we're carving our own way yeah so, yeah I mean, that's what why Eastern margins happen, isn't mm. it? Because yeah. there wasn't like you were missing something, so you're like, well, I guess I'm Make just gonna have to do it. Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah. Just... I I do think that there's a little bit like um, there's a little bit like uh like youthful naivety because mm. like obviously when you start out, you don't know anything, so you're like, God, there was no one else <laughs> to ever do it before. Like there are no predecessors, and then yeah. obviously like you learn more and mm. you like 
you kind of uh, meet more people and then you're actually a bit like, okay, actually, like, generations before <laughs> yeah. us people have been trying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But th- th- I-, I guess, like, that, that, that's part of the... Those mistakes are part of the, part of the self-actualization of yeah. your identity because by going on and making those mistakes, you're meeting the people who might not have done the exact same thing as you but tried to do something similar in a decade previous or like a generation previous mm-hmm. and then you start drawing out the dots and then the community grows yeah so that's that's like been a really like uh enlightening and like really encouraging thing as part of like why we do some margins mm. what do you mean mistakes what mistakes <laughs> well you know what like are you talking we... about <laughs> No. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. I, mean, yeah. I make a lot of mistakes, so w- yeah, you're we have definitely to make mistakes. Yeah, as, yeah. Oh, as Ace of Margins, some mistakes. And as in- individuals, isn't it? Yeah, individuals. I have a lot of mistakes. I've so made just... no mistakes. <laughs> I've been. I've been. One hundred percent. I mean, I feel like I do sometimes get in my own head too much. Like, main, you know, main character syndrome. Like, it's all me. I'm the person that's done this, but no, pe- people have done it in the past. It's just you got to dig and do the research as well. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes I do do the thing where I'm like, oh, you know, poor me. I don't know any. Like, I don't know what's going on. I'm just going to wallow in my misery. But then if you do a bit of research, you can find things to guide you and stuff like that. So, yeah. So going back to that quote, though, when you say that, you know, setting up your own infrastructure, then you're not seeking the approval. Is that the approval of, like, the ESEA wider community globally? Or is that, like, the Western world community? I mean, I'm I'm assuming it's the Western world community, right? I think it's kind of both. It's mm. uh, it's basically outsiders in the sense of people who don't intuitively understand what you're doing yeah. or haven't engaged with it meaningfully. And I think that could be like British mm-hmm. people, or it could even be people from your own community, like our parents, for example, that might not understand oh yeah my parents so i feel like yeah (laughs) they're just like what 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 why would you do this why don't you just go back to medical school i'm like right like there's a lot of uh like intergenerational dynamics where certain general like uh, i'd say like our parents generation perhaps don't view most creative pursuits as something legitimate or even as something worthwhile and that is kind of when I say like build our own infrastructure, like the kind of thinking is like, well, if we build it ourselves, not only will we be, be able to convince like, I don't know, like the dude in Grimsby who's mm. never like been outside the UK mm. to understand this world, but also like maybe like our parents to be like, this is actually something of value. Yeah. I can see the thing that you've built. Yeah. So yeah. I feel like with Asian parents, maybe parents in general, but at least with my parents, it's like, you kind of have to show them something like yeah, yeah. My like a finished always, yeah, product. Yeah. Like. Well, my mom's always like, "So how much did you get paid for that?" I'm like, "Well, mom, I'm working. Like, no, no, nothing." It's and always about money. They understand yeah, money. Like, <laughs> yeah, they're like, "Where's the paycheck? Like, what's going on? Why don't you have like a three bedroom house already with this music stuff?" I'm like, "Oh," and then my mom will always always just be like, "Oh, it's just music." Though I'm like, "It's not just music." <laughs> But however, like my mom doesn't actually like like music that much herself. So there's like yeah. the personality difference there. Um, but I think like when it comes to like the West, like um, like, like a lot of people like, like especially like the music that we're putting out in the compilation. I feel like a lot of the Western music scene they're just like, oh, what is that? Like, or they just like they just don't understand like that stuff. I don't really care because like I'm proud of this like you know the sounds that we've put out. I'm really happy for them. I'm so there's like that type where yeah, I'm just like Meh, don't need that approval. Yeah. Did you guys grow up in a household full of music? 
Um, well, I was say so I, I was forced to play piano, and I absolutely hated it because like I got this super strict teacher, and my parents got, got me into it not to like you know put, like to nurture my creativity or anything. It's just I think they wanted me to go to private school, and it's easy to get a scholarship if you have like lots of like talents. I guess mm. I was like I was doing swimming and music. Oh my god, me too. And, like, <laughs> I did you know, so oh much shit. God, I, just, I used to swim eight times a week. Oh my god! Yeah, I, I did like, like ice skating. Oh yeah, exactly. I, that's so yeah. Canadian. That's, this was in Korea though. Oh, I did really? like, yeah, I did yeah. like. I remember. I mean, I was like three or four, mm-hmm. and I was doing like like swimming, ice skating, piano. Yeah. Just let me live. I know exactly. <laughs> at least I had no childhood. I remember from when I was eight years old. I'd be up at five a.m. every morning to go swimming, and then I'd come come home. Do do like my school works. My parents. I wasn't allowed to watch TV from when I was six. So I don't think I watched TV Monday to Fridays. I was just always like studying and stuff like that. Because yeah, my parents were like you know immigrant working class. They couldn't afford private school fees, so they were just like, you need a scholarship. Like, yeah, <laughs> so I did, like, yeah literally, like you have to get a scholarship. And I'm just oh like God. eleven years old, thinking that's okay. so much pressure to put on a yeah, child. Yeah, exactly. It was it was quite a lot. But like, I understand like why my parents did it at the time. I hated it. I am grateful now. Um. But yeah, so like my parents, they just got me into piano. I don't think we had that. Much. I think we had one Kylie Minogue CD in the house. That was about it. Cause mm. like, and then when I started getting pocket money, my the first ever CD I bought was a uh, the single for Chingy, One Call Away. Oh. So that was like my introduction <laughs> into music. <laughs> what about you, David? Uh, I th- I think growing up, music was always you know very like peripheral. Like my dad was. Huge fan of like the Bee Gees and mm, Fleetwood Mac, love that. which is and uh, Simon and Garfunkel as oh, well. Yeah, yeah. But it, it's it's been actually quite an interesting journey with like my dad in particular and my parents and my mom as well. It's like uh, when we were growing up, I always thought they didn't have much interest in music or culture generally. Like it wasn't really around the house. But now I'm a bit older. I've had a bit more like candid conversation with my dad, and also mm. like language school's a bit better. And, you know, he's, like, put me on to a lot of, like, amazing old Chinese rock music, mm. a lot of, like, stuff that he listened to in high school that he has stories about. And I think, actually, like, this this is what I kind of mean by, like, mistakes, Annie. It's, like, when I was going, starting out on my music journey, I would think, like, the stuff that my dad was, like, listening to because it was, like not from something that I thought of as cool. Mm. It was like devalued in some way. Yeah. Like so I never spoke to him, I never engaged with him about it. But now I've bit further along that like identity journey. Mm-hmm. I now realise like he had like a real emotional connection to music mm-hmm. as well and it's really important for him. But he never really had like an avenue to express it or to talk about it mm-hmm. with me. So that's that's kind of like uh what what I'd say is like a mistake. Like yeah. to devalue like my parents' connection to music just because it wasn't what I thought of as like cool when I was young. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've made that mistake as well. Cause you know how I just said before, oh yeah, my parents aren't into music. But I realized with my mom, like she's just like, you know, she grew up in the Cultural Revolution in China. Like they weren't playing the like she you know, she doesn't understand me being a DJ. She's like, what do you mean you just go to these rooms and you play music? <laughs> they didn't have that back then. And it's like really hard yeah. for her to like, you know, understand that and like see how free the music scene is now so if you yeah. think about it, djing is like crazy it, it's <laughs> like what it takes to be like i 
want to control everyone's yeah, yeah. mood. Or, like, it's a bit like... It's a bit much, yeah. It's a very, like, uh, main character I, know, I see how, like, a lot of DJs develop this, like, god complex as well. Yeah. They're like, yes, I'm controlling the room. And you're just like, it's just a room. At 2 a.m. I will leave. And yeah. that's done. So. No, I grew up in a household silent. Really? Yeah. Really? So my relationship to music has been such a strange journey. Like, it's been very, like, solitary. Mm. Um, and growing up in like 2000s in Canada, um, very influenced by American culture. So mm. like 2000s, uh, pop princesses, Sick. <laughs> incredible. Yeah. I wanted to be a singer. I auditioned to be in a K-pop crowd. Nice. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Didn't get it. Um, but yeah, so it's, I had to kind of like figure out what I liked and then, yeah, it's been, it's been a weird one. Mm. Um, what but, was what was like the the tipping point for you, Annie, when you realized kind of like, oh, you know what, like I'm I'm super into this on like another level. I loved music, but I think what how I fell in love with music was like live music. Mm. So me and my friend, we used to skip school and like we didn't have that much pocket money, so we'd literally wait outside venues of gigs okay. that we wanted to get into and literally just wait and ask for guest lists. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, we were like. 15, like 14, 15, 16. Mm, yeah. So like, who's going to say it's a no to two 15 year olds? Mm. In the cold. In the cold. <laughs> yeah, always cold. Um, but we used to do that and we used to get into so many of these shows just on guest wow. Wow. And I remember one gig, it was like a Radiohead gig and they had sold out this uh, venue in Toronto. It used to be called Hummingbird Center and it was, they hadn't toured for like ages and I think it was around when like In, in Rainbows came out mm. and nice. it sold out within like 30 seconds. Yeah. And we were like, we have to go, we have to go. Skip school, <laughs> went, stood outside the venue. And then like the manager came out and then we cried. Well, no, not we, I cried. <laughs> I was like, we tried to get tickets. Like all the like scalper tickets are really expensive. We can't afford them. We're 15. And then we got free tickets and they were yeah. amazing seats. And yeah. I just remember being overwhelmed with how amazing the live show was. Mm. And how easy life was. <laughs> just mm. like Mad getting respect. it for free. Wow. Wow, yeah. um, since then, I've always just always wanted to go to like live shows and stuff, which is why yeah. like the pandemic was terrible. Because mm. yeah. I don't know, my relationship to DJing kind of changed during the pandemic as well. Because you're just like either doing streams or recording radio and stuff yeah. like on your own. And it was just like, it's dry. Mm. Yeah. 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 So, like, how, yeah. how did that kind of change you guys and like maybe how you work? Um, like I mean musically like I didn't actually know how to be like I didn't know how to DJ before like, the pandemic I knew what Q did in the fade in and out and that's about <laughs> it and then I about to do a wheel up yes <laughs> maybe but I also wasn't sure which direction to do it I was just like you just have to spin it somewhere right um and then that's the thing like I was starting to get these gigs to and I was like okay this is the only way I can practice because I don't have any like yeah. like equipment or anything and then I was really stressed out about it because I was like I have to play to people and I don't know how to do it yeah. so um so in, and then the pandemic happened so my gigs got cancelled um which i was a little bit relieved about because i was like okay i don't have to humiliate myself in front of like hundreds of people <laughs> anymore um but that's what got me into like radio djing and stuff like that and i actually quite enjoy that because i'm quite introverted so i mm. do like just to be sit in my bedroom and play my silly little tracks and stuff like that i think yeah. it's like quite fun um and now i'm actually a bit nervous about playing to people tomorrow but We'll see how it goes. So yeah, that's so interesting. Like you two basically have the 
coming at it from the exact yeah, opposite yeah, angle. Opposite like you, you, and you love the live, like you love the here yeah. and now. Yeah. And, and I'm just like, please don't look at me. Like, just, everyone look away, look up, look at your friends. I'm just, I'm just like glorified Spotify shuffle, really. Like, oh just my keep God. it that. So, yeah. But what about Easter margins? Like, did you guys, I know you guys yeah. did a few online stuff. and Yeah. I think like the, during the pandemic, I think one really cool thing that came out of it was that in a lot of ways, the pandemic rendered geography as no longer a factor. Mm-hmm. Like before, obviously, you have your local scene, you like go play live, you're in a city, you're in that city scene. But when it was a pandemic, if you were on a Zoom call with someone from Peckham or a Zoom call from someone from Osaka in Japan, yeah. really they make a difference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which actually in some ways like really widened the scope for collaboration. Mm-hmm. Like we did a lot of like virtual reality type shows where you know we've been working with like crews from japan from new york from china from vietnam all within the same thing and actually i felt like during a certain period of the pandemic there was kind of like a real spirit of experimentation Mm -hmm. and collaboration when people Mm -hmm. were just like you know what there's there's not much we can do so why don't we just do something yeah Yeah. and i thought that was actually super energizing for a bit yeah. yeah i think it also like we i felt like our community got stronger and bigger over the yeah. pandemic as well especially because like like the whole world was in lockdown so i yeah. remember just like i was like i have nothing to do today up oh, better go on my computer and talk to people i don't know on the internet <laughs> like, hey, my know. friends <laughs> we both like music i mean like yeah, we yeah no, I know, I know, <laughs> you know i know i know it's like oh cool i'm just gonna connect with this person on instagram oh i love like they shared us you know some music in their story i'll react to it next thing you know your friends like i yeah. think it's because of the pandemic i connected with a lot more like diaspora out in america even in australia and like across europe because yeah i just had nothing else to do like our, our label release right now our latest label release from this australian chinese artist called rainbow chan mm. that actually started through a live stream that we did with a hong kong platform called eaton mm-hmm. and i think jex you got started talking to rainbow yeah, right yeah, yeah so that like this label yeah. release which we actually have like a physical product for like we have like physically manifested something that was born out of like jex's like collaboration during like this kind of like wild west during the mm. pandemic yeah, yeah and we have so. like like releases coming out in the in the future as well where like i know the artist because i was in lockdown i was like oh I'll just yeah. say hi on instagram yeah. say i like their work and then yeah now we're just you know helping each other i think even in our boiler room it was just like it was like quite cool to get artists of different generations to connect like and make a piece of music even though they had never met yeah and they were based in like different cities yeah. around like asia and like london yeah. and stuff as well so I think, yeah, in a way that there were some blessings in the pandemic too. Yeah. Just like, yeah, it, like like you said, like geography is it's irrelevant now. Oh, it's too surreal for me. God, you're <laughs> because you're just like, there's no boundaries. There's no infrastructure. It's like almost a free for all. Yeah. And yeah. like that was a great moment in the pandemic. But then I just fell into like it, it is weird breakdown and depression but you know yeah, exactly it's weird because you just have so much time and then you like you have such a good time and then you close your laptop screen and it's like dark oh, yeah. around you you're just like i'm it's so bad. alone i haven't eaten in like oh, i haven't eaten today because i've yeah. been on the computer Mm. there's there's no like weirder sensation than do you remember when we were all doing like zoom parties and stuff oh my, oh my god. god yeah that was weird or the like a house party house app. party that the, the, was that was like a week yeah well where you're like this is great and then you're like no this is not good the sensation yeah. of like leaving the virtual room like closing your phone or laptop and being like 
I'm actually just in my room. Yeah. Like, that was such yeah, a weird thing. Yeah. I remember, like, doing Twitch streams. Yeah. And I would drink during my Twitch streams. Yeah. And then I, I just feel, okay, yeah, thanks, bye. And then I'm closed. <laughs> and then I'm just, like, wasted in my room. And I'm, like, in silence. Like, <laughs> what do I do? It's such a weird period. Because, like, yeah. if you leave the club, you have, like, time to get home and, like, mm-hmm. unwinds and... And you like go home with someone, you got someone yeah. to hang out with you, or even just now, like coming back to London. Like I technically haven't seen David in over a year, but I also see him every week. Like <laughs> you know, like just through Zoom. I'm, it's weird that he's not in a Zoom screen. Right <laughs> Talk to me a little bit about um, the releases you've been doing. You did a compilation mm. release, yeah. Well, yeah, you want to take the compilation? Yeah, now? yeah. So it was a compilation called Redline Legends, and I it love was... that name. <laughs> <laughs> It's really dreamt up by um, one of the other Eastern Mentions Marbers members. <laughs> Marbers? Eastern Mentions Marbers. Eastern Margins <laughs> members. members yes. Aria. It's his kind of like a creative baby. Yeah. And it was basically, it was actually kind of like birthed in the pandemic. And we were kind of drawn because like none of us have been clubbing. None of us have been outside for like a year. We started getting drawn to like kind of like more and more intense and more and more like extreme forms of music because you don't want something like that considered Mm. or that like detailed when you just want like any semblance of energy you just want to feel you want to feel something and like (laughs) just everyone's having a collective breakdown we, we we spent a lot of time like talking about these genres that were like that are native especially to like southeast asia and parts of east asia and they so it's kind of like all these genres that are very different but kind of interlinked but they kind of share sonic similarities in that they're like very raw very lo-fi very very kind of like not simply produced and you had like genres like funkot in indonesia vina house in vietnam manyao in malaysia bexloy in cambodia all of these genres and we were like shit not only are these genres like mad fun, like they scratch that itch for like mm. intensity that we yeah. wanted, but we're also kind of like, actually like these genres share a lot of similarities and there's a common thread, but no one's ever really told that story before. Mm. Like no one's been like, wow, Vina House actually shares a lot of the same sample packs as like Manyao and Funkot gets a lot of its melodies like fed down from Vina House or stuff like that. So we're like, why don't we try and tell that story from artists in mm. our eastern margins community so we kind of went on like a digital tour <laughs> of like the region like mm. pe- picked our friends who were foolish enough to go on this journey with us yeah. and then kind of you know like <laughs> six eight months later like thousands of emails like wow. we like yeah. let the project mm. live and breathe and now yeah, yeah it's mm. uh i think it's one of the projects like we're most proud of yeah. it's like uh yeah, I mean, I'm yeah, I like I didn't do that much of the work. I was more just like there for support. But I think that's a, I think that was that's like, important. Yeah, well, I mean, it is, it is. I'm just like, good job, guys. Like, great work. <laughs> Press that send button on the emails. Don't forget to like sign it off. But I think for me, like watching that compilation come together, because I think before I mentioned how it's like so hard to represent like all of Asia. Because I would say I'm well versed in music. But before that compilation, I had no idea what Vina House was, didn't know what like Funkot was. And it was just like, I remember listening to the Eastern Margins Funkot show and it was actually for the first, I felt something. I was just like, wow, like this, yeah. all this like diversity of music out there in South e- Southeast Asia, which I've never been to. 
and it's here and I get to experience it. So I, I was really excited about that compilation because not only did I get to like learn about, you know, what my community was doing, but also just new sounds. And I think it was like really, really exciting. And now I'm just like, oh, I can't wait for travel to be back normally. So then I can go to yeah. Vietnam and listen yeah. to Vina House. I've been telling everyone, everyone about it. <laughs> I'm like, we need to go. Everyone's like, oh, you know, how's Burger and how's Berlin? How's the Berlin music scene? I'm like, I'm trying to go to Southeast Asia right yeah. now. Like, uh, I'm done with the, you know, Western music scene. Yeah. I want to go see what's up out there. And I think it also goes to show, like, how, you know, especially when it comes to dance music, I think a lot of people have a very Eurocentric view of mm-hmm. what it is. But there's so much happening. And now I'm just, yeah. like, really excited to explore more. Like, there's yeah. probably more genres in Indonesia that we haven't, like, Definitely. tapped into yet. So who knows? And, like, that, that, that point there, like, the Eurocentric thing, I think that the compilation was a real like moment of maturity for mm. us as like a collective and as a creative outfit because you know before we definitely had that mentality kind of like uh what are the scenes going on in east and southeast asia that we thought were interesting and also kind of uh homegrown and we were kind of gravitated towards a lot of scenes that have their roots mm. in western culture mm-hmm. you know scenes like the deconstructed club scene in Shanghai, like that fundamentally has its roots in Western club nights started by like Western immigrants out there. Mm. And actually, even when I was like out in Shanghai during that time, like playing and experiencing it, all these like genres that are part of Redline Legends were very much thriving in their own sense, but I wasn't aware of it. Like I didn't have the like interest or the the kind of like openness of mind to be like actually like that stuff coming out of a phone shop or like coming out of that internet cafe is actually really really interesting in its own sense i think like redline legends was like a moment of maturity for us where we realized like those things those genres those sounds although they had like no western credentials that didn't mean that they were like less valuable or that mm-hmm. they were like less legit in some way and actually what you think of as like as cool as uncool is always going to be from like a western frame of mind mm-hmm. even as like diaspora yeah so i think especially like southeast asia is just so focused on the western society to give them like the cultural kind of mm-hmm. nudges and stuff yeah. and why is that you know yeah. just even standards of beauty i know like korea is just awful for that and mm-hmm. yeah it's just we need to look into ourselves. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> we do. We need to be like, you know, proud of ourselves and what we put out in our own voices. The authenticity, yeah. authenticity of like, yeah. yeah. So I think that's how, that's why I was like really happy with the compilation because I was like, oh, wow, we've actually put out some music that like, because I, I sent it to a few of my friends who are DJs and they're like, oh, I've never heard anything like this before. I'm like, good, yeah. good, now you should thank me. The, yeah. the highest compliment yeah. I got, I think, is uh, I think someone was like, this music is obnoxiously enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So what would be kind of the ultimate goal for Eastern Margins? I guess like my personal motivations behind working with like with Eastern Margins and stuff like that is just I just want to, you know, have, have like our community of East and Southeast Asian people, like as someone who's always had to like try to like change my identity to fit in. I just want people to be to feel comfortable enough to be who they are and make the music and the sound that they want to make without feeling pressured from like like you know the Western music scene to be a certain way. It's like no, we are. Well, like I think we had a, a interview about this about like our genres and stuff like that, what we push. And I was like, no genres, just like if you're East and Southeast Asian and you feel like this music represents you and we like it, we'll we'll help you, we'll platform it. 
Mm. So yeah, I think that sounded a bit corny, but I guess like no genres, cool. just vibes. Just vibes, <laughs> yeah. Just be yourself. Like no, like yeah. make up a new genre. Like yeah. if you don't think any of the genres suit you, we'll think of a new one. Yeah, it's like because we can. Like yeah, yeah, we've got like you know, like like Dave said, we're carving our own way. We can do what we want. So yeah, yeah. I mean, what you guys are doing is just amazing. When I go to Eastern Origins events, I'm just like. I feel like a human being mm. and that in itself is just like such a it's kind of sad that I have to say that mm. but but not in a sad way but I just you know I've said this on the podcast before where like if I'm surrounded by Southeast Asian people I'm like oh this is what human connection is like mm. this is not to feel anxious and feel comfortable and not feel like yeah not feel so othered you know yeah like you walk in and you're just like oh i'm like because usually in a lot of space especially in berlin at the moment i absolutely <laughs> hate it like i walk into all these like music spaces and i'm like i am the only asian person here yeah. sometimes the only person of color as well and i yeah. just like even if everyone's really nice you just feel like you're yeah i just i feel like i'm out of place like i can just be there and just be there yeah, exactly. <laughs> Eastern margins. i'm like i just be who i want to be you know no one's gonna make any remarks of like my ethnicity yeah. at all they're just gonna be like oh yeah you're just a person here cool i'm like yeah, yeah. i am a person here thank you like, yeah mm. so i just want to say thanks so much for coming on the podcast and thank you so much for like, doing no thank you what god's yeah. work yeah. What, what you're doing is sick as well <laughs> and so, oh yeah. like like you've been in london doing music for longer than us yeah, I mean. yeah, exactly. so you know like yeah, you, yeah. you've been fighting this fight for as long as us yeah it's i mean like, i'm tired guys i'm tired <laughs> you ran so we could walk exactly how, did, how does that saying go it was like you oh. walked so we could run i can't remember is it the walk or i run? think we're all let, let's go we're all running yeah, we're, we're, all all running. Running. we're all running. running we're just like oh annie's out there let's catch up like come on let's go yeah um, I, i'm curious though Annie, like from your perspective right like how does it feel when you're like in canada where there's like a bigger east asian diaspora Um, how do you feel in that kind of like music scene better better yeah Yeah. i find it uh a lot easier there Mm -hmm. and also the fact that everyone sounds like me yeah and because it's where i grew up so like there's also that like hometown element but yeah better until i started kind of connecting with a lot of people from our culture this year i didn't realize how not good i felt like in the in the normal like club space and stuff and now it's something that i'm like actively trying to seek because Mm. i didn't realize it until you because that's all i knew right so like until you kind of have access to something that feels good yeah yeah you kind of just accept yeah i definitely agree with that it's like oh wait you mean i can have a good time in the music scene (laughs) wow i mean it it has been good and it Mm. has been great but there was just something missing that I just didn't... Yeah. I couldn't, like, place what it was. And then I was like, oh, it's because I'm Asian. Mm, yeah, no, <laughs> definitely. Um, Shit. Yeah, I remember going to, like, my first Ace of Margins event. And I was like, I know I just moved to London, like, a few months ago. But I think this is home. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I honestly was yeah. just like, where do you guys go out? Like, where do you live? Like, where are all of you? Because you're not where I am. So... Like, well, we're here now. We're here now. I know. So, so I'm just going to be like following you guys around exactly but, exactly so, um yeah, yeah and we're if, happy to have you come, yeah. Yeah, come with us yeah um, so, yeah but yeah if you guys want to like drop your socials and stuff for everyone my socials to... uh my instagram account's asian girlfriend which i think it's funny <laughs> <laughs> i sometimes i think about changing it but I'm like no, no no i should i should keep this it's a funny one um and my twitter is asngf so asian girlfriend near you so asngf near you um i don't linkedin are we doing linkedin yeah tell them you're linkedin <laughs> I can't remember what my LinkedIn was. 
I can't. I can't remember. I think I made my LinkedIn account for the cybersecurity thing, and now oh I'm like, it was so like bad. I was like, I'm taking a break from pursuing like a corporate career at the moment. But is Jack's the first person to drop their LinkedIn on your yeah. show? Literally, no one <laughs> said LinkedIn. This is what this is. See, this is what happens when you. Like, yeah, I don't actually remember my LinkedIn account, so it'll be like a next time thing. TikTok? I don't have TikTok. You have TikTok. Not yet. What's your TikTok? I'm not. I'm not telling the world my TikTok just yet. I'm oh, okay. building the plan. But <laughs> on normal socials, my at is triple loomy, uh, and then obviously follow Easter Margins. Oh yeah, so Easter Margins. Yeah. <laughs> Easter <laughs> margins. Yeah. On oh yeah, on everything, it's all Easter Margins. Thank you so much, you guys, for coming on the podcast, mm-hmm. and yeah, I love you. Yeah, <laughs> thank you so us. much we for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. So, yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for listening and thank you to David and Jax from Eastern Margins. I hope you enjoyed this bonus episode and I'll be back soon with maybe another one. So make sure you subscribe, follow and rate the show to keep posted on new episodes. You can also get in touch with me at don't call me exotic pod and at O-N-E-O on Instagram. Oh, and make sure you don't call people exotic. Bye.